This is Positive Parenting. Parenting expertise and advice from best-selling parenting author and national newspaper columnist, Mr. Dad, Armin Brat. Hey there, welcome to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brat. I'm sorry are the two most powerful words in the English language. When these words are part of a heartfelt apology, they are the greatest gift that we can give to the hurt party, to a relationship, or maybe even to ourselves. Yet the complicated dance between the offender and the offended often goes badly. In this part of today's show, we're going to be talking with Harriet Lerner, who has spent a couple of decades studying the art of the apology. She's going to be talking to us about how much the apology matters and why we so often muck it up. A meaningful apology can restore trust, but silence and defensiveness can cause excruciating pain. At the same time, the pressure to forgive may only deepen the original injury and could even re-traumatize the hurt party. Whether we're talking about something as trivial as shopping for bananas or as serious as betraying a friend or a family member, we're going to learn what a heartfelt apology requires and how we can restore compromised and broken relationships. The courage to apologize and the wisdom to do it well is at the heart of effective leadership, marriage, parenting, friendship, personal integrity, and pretty much everything that we call love. And in this show, we're going to show you the right way to do it. And it all starts right after this. More with Mr. Dad, Armin Brat after this. From the MrDad.com radio network. Peekaboo. Peekaboo. Smile. Smile, buddy. Come on. Smile. Oh, honey, he's still not smiling. Maybe he's not a smiler. <sighs> yeah. Maybe he's just not a happy baby. Maybe he's just being a boy. You know how boys are. Or maybe he's teething. Oh, poor baby. I think his gums hurt. Maybe he's just tired. Or maybe his tummy hurts. He didn't eat that much. Maybe he's not ticklish. You think maybe he's scared of the dog? Maybe he'll outgrow it. Maybe it's a phase. Maybe he just doesn't like smiling. Maybe he has autism, and we can definitely do something to help. Maybe is all you need to find out more about autism. No big, joyful smiles by six months is one early sign. Learn the others at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs or see a doctor today for an autism screening. The sooner it's diagnosed, the better. And it can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brat, and my guest for this part of today's show is Harriet Lerner, who is the author of Why Won't You Apologize? Healing Big Betrayals and Everyday Hurts. Harriet, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Let's talk about something that I think people may think that they understand, but they may not understand completely. What is an apology? Well, in a, a good apology, a true apology, would include accepting responsibility for our part of a problem without a hint of evasion or excuse-making or blaming or bringing up the other person's crime sheet, even when the other person can't do the same, you know, when they cannot see their own part of the problem. But of course, apologies differ. There are some apologies that are very simple to make and others that are far more difficult. 
You know, years ago, I remember interviewing somebody, and we were talking about apologies from a different perspective. But, but she was saying that an apology needs to have several pieces. That, that just saying "I'm sorry" is not enough. That there needs to be an additional "I'm never going to," you know, if I'm in this situation again, I'm going to do something differently, kind of a thing, as opposed to just the words "I'm sorry." That it's it's deeper than that. What do you think about that type of an approach? I think that if it's a very simple thing like you spill red wine on your friend's carpet, that a real heartfelt I'm sorry and offering to pay the cleaning bill if there is one is enough. Not all of our hurts are simple. So very often I'm sorry is only a start and that we need to really put aside our defensiveness and listen with an open heart because what the injured party really wants is not just the words, I'm sorry. They, they want us to really get it, to really care about their feelings. They want to feel safe and soothed in the relationship again and, um, and know that we will carry some of the pain, that we can feel some remorse and empathy, and that we will be committed to not continuing the very behavior that we're apologizing for. And sometimes it goes on for a much longer period of time than just however long it takes you to get those thoughts out, right? I mean, you you could be apologizing to somebody, depending on the severity of, of whatever happened, you could be apologizing for years. Well, exactly. So that... Um, an apology should not be used as a quick way out of a conversation. Like, I've told you seven times that I'm sorry about the affair, so why are you bringing it up a year later and you're still bringing it up? That, um, as you're saying, a serious hurt or a serious injury requires us really to sit on the hot seat and pay attention to the hurt party's anger and pain, often for quite a while, very long time. Does the recipient of an apology have any obligations, do you think? I don't know if obligation is the right word, but often people who desperately want an apology actually make it much likely that they make it less likely that the apology will be forthcoming. Like a party, for example, the hurt party has a real grievance, but they so overtalk it, they so overload the circuits, they bring up the other person's crime sheet in such a way that really the other person just vacates the emotional premises, you know, after about a minute. So I, I think that it's useful for the person who wants the apology to understand that how we open the conversation really makes a difference because people are wired for defensiveness. And if you engage in hit-and-run confrontations because you want this apology, then you are probably guaranteed to get a very defensive response. Why is it so hard for people to apologize? 
it's hard for people to apologize because we are wired for defensiveness. So that when we're criticized, we automatically listen defensively, meaning we automatically listen for the errors, the inaccuracies, uh, the distortions that will inevitably be there. In other words, we listen for what we don't agree with. And it really takes a lot of intention and motivation and maturity and really caring about the relationship to listen differently, to listen for the part that we really can agree with and to apologize for that piece first. And we can come back in another conversation and often it's essential to have another conversation where we say, look, let me tell you what I see differently um, about what you were saying. But that ability to open up our hearts and put our defensiveness on a shelf and really have the intention of asking questions to better understand what the hurt party wants us to get is very hard when the hurt party is saying that we caused it and we don't necessarily agree. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering about. It. I mean, you know, getting back to the idea of whether the the injured party has any obligations. You know, there's a point where if you keep throwing it back in somebody's face, you just don't want to be there anymore. Whether you're sincerely apologizing or not, it just, you know, it's at some point you say enough already. Well, better than saying enough already, because I think that happens a lot. It can happen. In marriage, it can happen in family relationships of mother and son or father and son, where a person just feels worn down, you know, by sort of corrosive criticism and someone bringing something up again and again. And it actually does not hurt to muzzle someone. I mean, I'm sorry, it does not help to muzzle someone and to say, look, you know, this subject is now off limits. I will not talk about it again. It's not useful. It is useful to say, I know this is really important, and I'm here to listen to you for anything for as long as it takes, but not in this way that you need to approach me differently and more calmly and with respect, and I'm here to listen. It helps to say, you know, I really can't listen when every time I walk in the door, you're bringing up, you know, that you're still mad about how I, you know, treated your mother. But it does help to say, I can't listen every time I walk in the door. Let's set up a time on Sunday, you know, after we have breakfast, and let's get a cup of coffee, and I want to listen to everything that you have to say about it. Is there such a thing as too much apologizing? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, the, the biggest risk factor for being an, un, for being an under-apologizer is being raised male, and the biggest risk factor for being an over-apologizer is being raised female. So if some folks can't get the word I'm sorry out of their mouths, 
others apologize to a fault, as if they went to Miss Manners apology finishing <laughs> school. You know, with all these ref- reflexive little, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, you were going to sit there. I'm so sorry. Oh, you were looking at that menu. Oh, I interrupted you. I'm so sorry. So whatever the cause, it's good to tone over-apologizing down. And if you've forgotten to return your friend's Tupperware, (laughs) you don't have to apologize numerous times as if you've run over her kitten. And over-apologizing creates distance. It interrupts the normal flow of conversation, and it will irritate your friend. So it's good to... um, Save your apologies for when they really matter. Yeah. Talking with Harriet Lerner, who's the author of Why Won't You Apologize? Healing Betrayals, Big Betrayals, and Everyday Hurts. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll keep talking to Harriet. You wanted to see me? Yes, please. Have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team, but I don't think you can be an intern here anymore. We want to hire you. You're you're serious? Absolutely. Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. I won't let you down. I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Psst. Yeah, you. It's me. Your heart. Listen to me. We've got to talk. High blood pressure is serious, and yours? Whoa. What happened to us? We used to be so much more active. But lately, you've been ignoring me. I know you think I'm just going to keep ticking away forever, but you're wrong. You can do so much more to control your high blood pressure. Doing the minimum isn't doing enough. I'm under a lot of pressure and can quit whenever I want. Bet you didn't know that. But I like my job. Just treat me better. Check on me. Give me something green to nibble on every once in a while. And maybe we can do some exercise on occasion. Let's get to it. After all, we're in this together. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check, change, control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Harriet Lerner, who's the author of Why Won't You Apologize? Healing Big Betrayals and Everyday Hurts. We're just talking about the, some male and female differences. Do, do you think there's a difference between an apology and excuse me? Because they seem to almost be interchangeable in some circumstances. You know, somebody bumps into you on the street, and, and the natural reaction for a lot of people is to say, oh, excuse me, or I'm sorry. Um, well, are, are they different? Different. If someone bumps into you in the street or runs into you with their shopping cart in the grocery store, for me, it would not make a difference if they said, I'm sorry, or they said, excuse me. But obviously, if we're talking about something that really hurts your feelings or is important or something that there needs to be a conversation about, 
excuse me, does not quite fit. All right. I want to talk about a little bit about the, the wording of an apology because that's such a um, it's an art form. And I mean, you've been studying this for decades. But you know, there's people who, who will say the words in a way that when you think about it, it really is, is blaming it in, in a sense. You know, I, I'm sorry you feel that way. Has always exactly. struck me as something that that is just. <laughs> you know, what do you mean? You're sorry. I feel that way. It's you know. How about you're sorry you you made me feel that way, or you know whatever it is. But you know, to talk about the the wording. Well, there are so many different ways with language that we muck up an apology. The most common is I'm sorry, but I'm sorry I yelled at you, but you provoked me. I'm sorry I forgot your birthday, but I was so overloaded with work I forgot everything. It doesn't matter if what you say after the but is true. The word but makes the apology false and almost always signals a rationalization, an excuse, or a criticism. So, rule number one, get your but out of your apologies. And the second thing is the one you were mentioning, which is more blame-reversing, where a, a real apology focuses on our behavior, not on the other person's feelings or reactions. So it is a non-apology to say, I'm really sorry that you took what I said to be racist and sexist. That was not my intention. I'm sorry you felt hurt when I criticize your stories at the party, that is not an apology. There's no accountability. The real apology would be, I'm sorry that I criticize your stories at the party. It was wrong because you told me that you didn't like that. And I feel very badly about it and I will not do it again. So, you know, and then we also muck up an apology by apologizing with a great flourish, but we repeat the very behavior we're apologizing for. And <laughs> so really there are so many ways to get it wrong. One way I think that we get it wrong is it, it's used as a, or it's seen as a sign of weakness, I think, in some people. And those people would be particularly parents. A lot of people don't feel that they should be apologizing to their kids for anything. What do you think about that? I think that is a terrible idea. First of all, your children are watching you, and if you don't offer a heartfelt apology to your child when it's due, you know, how will they learn to apologize? But more importantly, you know, this idea that apologizing to kids undercuts our authority or makes us look weak and uncertain is a false idea. Apologizing to children models a stronger approach to the world. It shows an ability to orient to reality that reflects a concern for fairness. And it's really important. I mean, actually, the ability to apologize is one of the greatest gifts that we can give to our kids, because children have a very strong sense of justice. And children suffer 
just as, a, as we do in adult relationships, when a parent's defensiveness invalidates what the child knows to be true or mm. real. So working, for example, when I, when I work with adults, as I've done for decades, who have serious injuries and traumas from childhood or, or trauma with a small t, What's actually the trauma is that the adults did not orient toward the reality of what was happening. They, they, the child might have been told that the bad thing was not really happening, that his feelings and perceptions were wrong, out of proportion, or that what happened was necessary, or even the child's fault something he did to uh, bring on the difficult behavior. And, and that's the, the trauma that the parent was not able to say. And to this day, you know, when they confront the parent, might not be able to say, your feelings make perfect sense. And what went on was wrong. And of course, it affected you. And I wish I could go back in time. You know, I'm so terribly sorry, and I wish I could go back in time and, mm. and do better and do differently, but um, I get it. You know, I really yeah. get it. And what about the words that a lot of parents say quite often, I think with the, the well-intentioned belief that they're going to be teaching their kids to do this, say you're sorry, we say to our kids. Do you think that that's well, helpful, or do, do is there some way to get them to reach the conclusion on their own that something happened that they need to apologize for? I actually am of the theory from my own research with families that it's absolutely fine the same way we try to teach our kids to say thank you, you know, um, that it's fine to say I would like you to apologize. The problem really comes in. Here's where the problem comes in that when the child apologizes, and it's not necessarily sincere at that moment because they've been asked to do it, that the parent does not say, thank you for the apology, I really appreciate it, hmm. and, and stop there. Instead, the parent says things like, um, you know, thank you for the apology, I really appreciate it, but it would be much better next time if I didn't really have to ask you for it. And by the way, that apology doesn't seem real, and you're looking down at your shoes, I want you to look your brother in the eye, and you apologize like you really mean it, and then go to your room and think, you know, think about how your brother felt when you left him out of the game. And kids tell me, that they, they learn to hate apologizing. It feels so shaming and dreadful. And, you know, many kids say they just want to put their fingers in their ears, you know, and get out of the room because it's so hard for the parent who says, you know, I'd like you to say you're sorry. And the kid says, I'm sorry, to just say thank you for the apology hmm. and leave it there. Now, you can go back and, you know, and of course, further conversation may be necessary. But you can do that at another time and not in a way that disqualifies the child's, the child's apology and makes the child feel, what's the point? 
only have just about a minute left. I just want you to talk about how the recipient of an apology or would-be recipient of apology can deal with never getting it when you want it. Well, this is life. This is the human condition that even the people who were there to love and protect us make terrible mistakes and are not, not able to see it, you know, not able to listen to our feelings and, you know, get past the defensiveness. It, um, you know, it's interesting to me, and I talk about this a great deal in the book. I have a chapter called You Need to Forgive and Other Lies That Hurt You. <laughs> right. Be- right, because um, there is a myth in this culture that there can be no peace or healing without forgiveness. Harriet Lerner is the author of Why Won't You Apologize? Healing Big Betrayals and Everyday Hurts. Harriet, thanks so much. Great to have you. Thank you. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat. And apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable. But how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Most of my family, they never graduated high school, so I'm trying to break that barrier. My daughter, Brooklyn, was also a motivation for me to go back to school. Every day after work, went straight to school, and it paid off. At age 26, Kareem finished his high school diploma. I could not have done it alone. I see the future is really bright for me. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Mr. Dad Armand Brunt, and it's time for a Parents at Play segment. You know, we're gearing up for Toy Fair, where we're going to be spending four days up to our ears in toys and games. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to fill you in on what's new and exciting for 2017. But one thing we can guarantee right now, regardless of whatever else is trending, animals will never go out of style. Here are some of our current favorites. Flipazoo and Little Flipsies from Jay at Play. Flipazoos are adorable plush pillows that are perfect for snuggle time and bedtime. Each flipazoo is actually two animals in one. Just lift up the animal's tail, pull it over its head. That sounds painful, but no animals will be harmed. And you've got a completely new pet. But, of course, don't let your kids try this with your real pets. There's a cat that turns into a mouse, a dragon that turns into a unicorn, a husky who turns into a polar bear, and several others. Jay at Play also makes mini versions called Little Flipsies. Big or little, they're great for all ages. Flipazoos run about 19 bucks, and flipsies are 850 at your favorite retailer or flipazoo.com. Bright bugs evolution from bright bugs. Like it or not, bugs are animals, and you'll like these ones. Bright bugs are small lights that turn on when you squeeze them and off when you release the pressure. That allows you to create the illusion of throwing the bug from hand to hand putting it in one ear and taking it out the other, and more. The app adds even more illusions, like throwing your bug into your phone. Bright bugs are best used in the dark, and you'll need to spend some time practicing to get the timing down. But once you do, the effect will, as the company says, glow your mind. They're for ages 8 and up. Cost under 20 bucks at retailers everywhere or brightbugswithaz.com. 
Lion Guard Leap and Roar Kion from Just Play. In the hit Disney Junior series, Kion protects the Pride Lands, and he can do the very same for you. This extremely soft plush is motion activated. Push down on his hind end and he'll leap. Wave your hand in front of his nose and he'll shake his head, roar, and unleash some of his familiar phrases, which your kids will repeat over and over and over as they run around the house roaring. Fortunately, Kion comes with an off switch. Unfortunately, kids don't. They're for ages 3 to 6, under 22 bucks at Amazon.com and other retailers. Kitty Surprise, Sienna and her kittens from Just Play. Sienna is pregnant. How many kittens will she have? Three, four, five? And will they be boys or girls? When Sienna finally does give birth, which she'll help by taking the kittens out of her pouch, you'll find a litter of adorable plush kittens with plastic heads, at least one of which will meow. They're for ages two and up, cost under $25 at major retailers. Twinkle, the magical unicorn from VTech. Twinkle is part of VTech's go-go smart friends world. She moves her head, walks, talks, and flaps her wings, and all she asks in return is a nibble of her golden magic carrot. If you're especially nice, her horn will light up and change colors. This playset comes with Prisma, the magic fairy, and the golden carrot, and interacts with other Smart Friends characters, which are sold separately. It's for ages 18 months to 5 years, cost under 20 bucks at Amazon and elsewhere. Thanks for listening to Positive Parenting. You can get more information on today's show and what we're working on in the weeks ahead at MrDad.com. While you're there, visit the MrDad.com gift shop with everything you need to help you become the dad or mom you want to be. Positive Parenting is a production of the MrDad.com radio network. Now, go be a great parent.